You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Community Church. So glad that you could be here if it's your first time, and I'm, I'm sure it is for some of you. Uh, we welcome you, extend to you a special welcome. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace. You're here on a good Sunday. Look, any Sunday, as I'm going to talk about this morning, is a good Sunday to be in church. Next Sunday is a real good Sunday to be in church. We're having a potluck next week. And we've got commitments from about half the congregation to make three times as much food as they normally would. Uh, so we need the other half to, to jump in and say, I will as well. We need a lot of food next um, Sunday morning. So be here for that right after church. Hope you will make plans to stay with us. And then uh, Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, uh, we're going to be at Campbell. Uh, welcoming students back onto the campus, and we'll have some really ridiculously, sinfully good French fries, uh, homemade French fries. That will be have big three big fryers uh, frying them up. They'll be good. So if you're a student, please stop by the booth and meet some of the people uh, that are there serving from Grace. Then the following Wednesday night, uh, about ten days from now, we're going to have a very interesting and important. <coughs> session for anyone who wants to attend. We have, um, on the fifth Wednesday of the month, we uh, have a ministry called Grace uh, Matters, and we're talking about things that are important to the church. We've already talked about uh, the believer's um, responsibility and, and, and relationship to politics in America. This time, we're going to be talking about evangelism methods. We've been talking about evangelism for a year and extending it for five more weeks beginning today. But we're going to talk about different ways that you can witness. And there'll be some give and take questions and answers. So next Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. Um, so what do you say? Next Wednesday, or if you were talking about the following Wednesday, would you say Wednesday week? Um, Intelligent people would say next Wednesday. Everybody knows that this coming Wednesday is this Wednesday, right? No, not everybody. <laughs> Obviously, that's not the case. Um, I get in trouble with it, but it's 10, about 10 days from now at 645. It's a little bit of an odd time, but we want to give extra time uh, for those who have children. And we will provide child care for that. So plan to show up on Wednesday week, and we'll, we can all know what that means. Then one last thing I want to mention to you is uh, Grace Connection begins the Sunday after Labor Day, which will be September 10th at 9 o'clock. Grace Connection is your introduction, your formal introduction to Grace Community Church. I, I, formal in the sense that we'll tell you a, a, a lot about what we believe. Elder rule, that's new for some people. Uh, if you want to be a member, Grace Connection is the starting point. You don't have to be a member if you go to Grace uh, Connection, but if you want to be a member, or if you just want to understand what it is that makes the church tick and how we function, that type of thing, it begins September 10th. Please sign up for that uh, in the welcome room out in our lobby. We'd love for you uh, to join us. Well, I wanted, uh, this morning we're going to be in John chapter 10. Um, Jesus says he's the great 
shepherd. We Americans are a funny lot. And look, if you're not an, an American, I'm sure you're going to find a lot of common thinking and common ground with a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be saying today. We are, though, living uh, in some interesting times. We as Americans like our independence. Our, our country was born out of a struggle for independence, a desire to be duly represented when laws are being made, when laws are being passed, when they're being made. We want to be represented. Um, Sarah, our daughter Sarah was working like just across across the bridge for a long time from where the tea, Boston Tea Party took place. We threw that tea in the sea because we like, no, you can't tax us without us having a voice in these laws being made. We, the people, are the government. We want freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of, of religion. We want uh, freedom to own private property and lots of other freedoms. In, in fact, the Ninth Amendment says in so many words, we guarantee freedoms that we haven't even thought of yet. I mean, it's the, it's the right to many freedoms. We love our freedom. We love our independence. We desire, as we talked about last Sunday, autonomy. We want to be in charge. But in addition to living the lives that we desire to live and to have in our own voice, we love identifying with groups of people who like the same team that we like, who participate to participate I'm thinking potluck already. Participate in, in the kinds of activities that we enjoy and who believe in our causes. That makes sense that we all want something that's bigger than ourselves. I mean, if, look, if, if life is nothing but just recreation and fun all the time, it loses its meaning and purpose. And so no wonder we want to be a part of a cause, but causes can be tricky. If you get the message wrong, you find yourself quickly ostracized from the group. And the message changes every day in our fast-paced world. If you pause to think deeply about an issue that needs historical and philosophical context before you speak out, then you're out. Not only are you out, you're the enemy. What, what is this that we're living in today? And it's coming from every direction. Our nation is split in half. We're Democrats or Republicans. No, wait, that's not the We're racist or we're the tolerant who seek to... No, wait a minute. We're Nazis or communists. There's not going to be any room for middle ground in the very near future. All are considered to be extremists one way or the other. That's the way it seems anyway. So what does the Bible say about our division as a nature, a nation, the, the divisions that are going on in, internally here in America? Well, it doesn't really address our differences of national debate. It absolutely speaks to racism and justice. And it was very clear from the text last week that in Christ there are no distinctions Racial, socioeconomic, gender. There are no distinctions. We are one in Christ. <clears throat> so scripture speaks to the issues that are <clears throat> inflaming us these days. 
But Jesus wasn't interested in telling Jews how to live under the oppressive rule of Roman law. Except obey the government as far as you can. And then when, you, when they tell you not to preach the gospel, you have to disobey. When they tell you not to follow Jesus, you have to do it anyway, even if it costs your life. <clears throat> Jesus did say, though, that there are two groups of people in the world. But the groups are not identified in any of the lists that I've given thus far this morning. All people are divided into two groups. Those who believe that Jesus came to earth to die for the sins of man and rose again from the dead and those who don't believe it. Essentially, those who believe what Jesus said about himself, those who don't. If you believe that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through me, then you belong to one group. If you don't believe it, you, were, you belong to the other group. For the next five weeks, including this morning, we're, we're going to follow up on our year-long series on witnessing by thinking about gospel community as witness. Now, gospel community is us. It's, uh, it's the church. We'll spend our time uh, in the latter half of John's gospel, starting today in John chapter 10. Uh, most of the time is actually going to be spent from, from next week on in these five weeks going to spend it on that last night of Jesus' life before his crucifixion uh, and the things that he was saying to his disciples and preparing them uh, for the future. We'll begin this morning in John 10, the events of which occurred three to four months before uh, Jesus' crucifixion. The debate between Jesus and the religious leaders, you don't necessarily recognize that right off the bat when you jump into John 10, but that's what it was. A debate between Jesus and the religious leaders of the day <coughs> um, was during the Feast of Dedication, also known as the Feast of Lights. And that began on December 25th. Uh, it was cold and in the winter when Jesus declared to his listeners and ultimately to the world, I am the good shepherd. Jesus was gathering the flock even as he talked. Today's message is titled, the gathered community. And look, in John 10, I've wrestled with this for a long time. You All week long, one way or another, you can't start in John 10. You, you just can't find a good stopping place. So here's what I've decided to do. I'm going to stand in just a moment, read the first 11 verses, then briefly uh, commenting on some of the verses here and there up through verse uh, 31, and then we'll draw application from the text that sets up the rest of this series on gospel community as witness. So if you would please stand as we read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you, he, <clears throat> he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, <laughs> but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. 
This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. <coughs> All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Let's pray. Father, <laughs> there's a lot uh, that we don't know. There is a lot that we are passionate about. And then, Lord, we believe with all of our hearts the truth. That the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. Father, make the good shepherd large in our eyes this morning as we read your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. This morning, first thing. When I got here, uh, Clara Manning came up to me and said, I have a sheep, I have a sheep. And I was thinking, how appropriate. At the beginning of this debate, Jesus uses a very familiar analogy of shepherd and sheep. It was familiar because in the Old Testament, God said, look, I am your shepherd, people of Israel, covenant people of God, I am your shepherd. Of course, Moses and David were both... Uh, shepherds by vocation, at least Moses was after he, he had to flee from Egypt, but then they were both used as shepherds to lead the people of God. Uh, also in the Old Testament, God rebuked Israel's leaders for being poor shepherds, caring for themselves more than they cared for the people of God. In John 10, Jesus pointed to himself as both the good shepherd and the door to the sheepfold. So he's kind of uh, mixing metaphors, or it's all around the same metaphor of sheep and shepherd, but he, one minute he's the good shepherd, the next minute he's the door. But, but everybody is following what he's saying. They're not fully grasping the impact of what he's saying, but they're following his analogies. He, he began by accusing the religious leaders of stealing and harming the sheep, even while they're in the sheepfold. Now, a sheepfold in Jesus' day was one of two different structures. One was built on the side of a house. Uh, it was kind of like a courtyard, and maybe the people that owned the home, their sheep would come. Let, let's imagine that you know this section and this section are both built on to the side of a house, and, and this is one sheepfold, that's one sheepfold, or that's one person's sheep, one group of sheep, that's another group of sheep. But this middle one is this huge enclosed area where several uh, different flocks of sheep would come into there and, and stay. This is more likely Jesus' analogy, but he seems to go back and forth just as he switches from saying that he is the good shepherd to saying that he's the door or the gate through which the sheep come into the fold. 
In verse 3, the shepherd enters through the gate which is opened by the hired worker who tends it. And then Jesus calls his sheep by name and they go out to pasture. They go back and forth. So here's the idea. Jesus walks into this large sheepfold and he says, Alan, Jackie, oh, all the people that he calls, he knows their name. And the sheep like perk up and they go out. Think of it. Jesus calls each of his sheep by name. But those who are not his sheep, verse 6 tells us, don't understand Jesus' words. They're like, they just keep right on doing whatever they were doing because how could they? They do not belong to Jesus' flock. So that's not the voice they're listening for. In verse 7, Jesus said plainly, I am the door of the sheep. If you want to enter the fold, you must come through me. His sheep get that. They know Satan's design even before they're told in verse 10. The thief who would come up over the gates, come in not through the main door, but come over the walls, I mean, and get in and steal a sheep here or there. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus distinguished himself from all those who gladly promise you protection and life. You've known people like that, haven't you? Hey, if you'll just follow me, I'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about anything. But who will leave you high and dry when danger presents itself? Be careful when you give yourself to anyone or anything or any cause that is not the gospel. D.A. Carson years ago wrote these words that ring true today. Quote, the world still seeks its humanistic political saviors, its Hitlers, its Stalins, its Mao's, its Pol Pot's. Do you even know those names? You know Hitler. Do you know the others? Some, many of you will know Stalin. Do you know Mao, Mao Zedong, and, and Pol Pot of Cambodia? They only too late, and, and only too late does it learn, the world learn, that they blatantly confiscate personal property. They come only to steal. Ruthlessly trample human life underfoot. They come only to kill and contemptuously savage all that is valuable. They come only to destroy. Jesus is right. It is not the Christian doctrine of heaven that is the myth, but the humanist dream of utopia. Every totalitarian government in history has put forward this idea, has deceived the people by saying, if you'll just follow me, everything is going to be exactly like it ought to be. But human nature will not allow life to ever be that good. It will only be like that when the kingdom of God is fully come and developed and in place on this earth. In the meantime, God is calling out and gathering a community that represents him to the world, even as it goes through these cycles of history over and over and over. 
the gospel speaks very much to the issues of our day, including racism. What Jesus said about Gentiles being included in the covenant community of God was abhorrent to the Jews. Or he said that about the Gentiles, and the Jews hated it. In Jesus' day, Jews spoke of Gentile dogs, and Gentiles just kind of like, and then they went, filthy Jew. There was a lot of racism. But we've already seen in the last few weeks, in Christ there is no distinction between one person or another. And anyone who tries to make that distinction does wrong. All who are in Jesus' flock are brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of race or gender or nationality or social status. How? Why? Because Jesus walks into a crowded sheepfold and he starts calling names. John. Jeshua. And they perk up and they follow. This community is multi-ethnic, multi-racial. Sheep that come from another fold, I must bring them also those who are from the other fold in verse 16, refers to Gentiles. All who follow Jesus will comprise one flock. Jews in Jesus' day, again, would have thought this was heretical. Jesus was not concerned, though, about what they thought. He only cared about his Father's will. And, and Jesus' will was the same as his Father's will. It was the Father's will for the Son of God to die. And Jesus would willingly do that. He would die as a sacrifice. It's not, he didn't die as an example. It's not like a shepherd running off a cliff saying, see how much I love you. He died as a sacrifice. He died so that sheep might be saved. But Jesus' death wouldn't be the end of the story. I have the authority to lay my life down, and I have the authority to take it up again. As we know, Jesus' words caused a division among those who were listening to him. Some thought he was demon-possessed and insane. Others were convinced that he spoke the truth. A lot of people that, that know you believe in Jesus think, oh, that's cool. But when you start telling them what it means to believe in Jesus and to follow him, they're like, uh, that's really weird. And it could be that pretty soon they think, you're nuts. You're out of your mind to think like that. Jesus' words are very much dividing people, men and women today. In John 10, those who opposed Jesus kept pushing him to clarify his position. Tell us plainly, are you the Christ or not? He had told them over and over and over. How did they not get it? Because they weren't his sheep. And that voice was foreign to them. So, have you ever heard, have you ever said, uh, I, I just don't see how so-and-so doesn't understand. I don't see how they can't see that God is trying to bring them to himself. I Why do people not get it? Why do people not understand? They don't hear his voice. Who follows Jesus? Those he calls, the ones who respond to his voice. 
Those who hear Jesus' voice and follow him are given eternal life. The Father and Son are of the same will, and once inside the fold, neither the Father nor the Son will let go. And that pretty much assures one's eternal destiny. What a great thing. Look, just because this is one of those uh, texts where people go to, to, to think about assurance of, of salvation, there are some of you who really struggle with knowing that you're certainly Jesus' sheep, you follow him. Um, look, if, if you've repented of your sin, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is one of those places we go to and, and, and says, look, you're in the, in, in the Son's hand and you're in the Father's hand and, and they're not going to let go. And you say, well, yeah, I, I know that they won't let go of their true children, but I'm just not sure that I'm one of those true children. I'm really not worried about you. I'm worried about people who think they're saved and just really don't. It doesn't mean anything to them. They say, oh, yeah, I prayed a prayer. I was baptized. I belong to a church. I go every once in a while. Those are the people that I worry about, not those who struggle with whether or not they're saved. This is a beautiful word of assurance to you. It's not so much you holding on to Jesus. It's Jesus holding on to you. He's hanging on to you. He's not going to let you go. He's the good shepherd. So when Jesus said in verse 30, I and the Father are one, he was saying that his purpose was the exact same purpose as the Father's. But the religious leaders knew what was behind what he was saying to him, and that is simply, I am God. No wonder they picked up stones to stone him. Jesus meant that he and the Father had the exact same purpose and intention. He wasn't saying, I'm the same person, I and the Father are one, but he was saying, I have the same purpose, which in essence was saying, we are of the same nature. John 10, read properly leads us to understand that Jesus was not only dividing people within his immediate hearing, and you see it twice here. Man, they just go in different directions about Jesus, and they get pretty heated about it. Um, so he was not only dividing people then, but he continues to this day. Jesus himself, not just our statements about Christ or our beliefs, Jesus himself is dividing humanity to those who belong to him and then everyone else. He continues to this day to gather his flock. Those who believe Jesus when he spoke in the winter just before he died would be, uh, along with thousand other, uh, thousands of others, would be the ones who would constitute the church in Acts chapter 2 that we read about. Jesus made it clear before and after his death and resurrection that his gathered sheep would constitute the called out community of the church. So for the remainder of our time this morning, we're going to think about the gathered community that Jesus has called us to be along with two or three more phone calls probably today. That's just one of those days. Look, it could have been mine just as easily as yours, so don't worry about it. Let's begin with this. Sheep need a shepherd who selflessly cares 
for their well-being. One of the great misnomers of modern day life is to think that we can be whoever we want to be and that we can take care of ourselves. We cannot. We are dependent upon the Lord for our very next breath. Ron Gibson, who attends here at Grace, laid down for a nap last Sunday afternoon. He would have been 64 Friday when we had the funeral here. 63 years old, he laid down for a nap and never woke up. We are dependent on the Lord for our, our very next breath. I, I, I took my wife to, to, out to eat one Friday night. She, she was dragging her foot as we were walking in. The, and I said, why are you dragging your foot? She said, I, I, don't, I didn't know that I was. Went to the hospital. She never walked again. We are dependent on God for everything. The contemporary talk of extending life to expectancy to 135, 140 years of age. Very possible. Very much possible. Man becoming gods and gaining immortality through technology, as many are saying today, is not only ludicrous, it is blasphemous. Homo Deus, same as God's. We are God's. It's being said over and over today, whether you're hearing it or not. It's the same spirit with which the citizens of Genesis 11 built the Tower of Babel. God knocked that tower down, and he may well knock down the idolatrous tower of technology as well. It's not that God is opposed to technology. He created it after all. Some of the things that people are saying are, are more and more pointing to a, an intelligent designer. Even in the secular world, people are saying, really? How, it's not possible that this is just by accident. God is not opposed to technology. He's opposed to idols. I don't know about you, but I am very much concerned for the future of our country. God doesn't need our country for the gospel to go forth. We've had a very good run. The Lord has used us in a great way and he's blessed us with so many things. And I know some people feel, blessed you, you were, I was left behind. And, and, and with, with all of our Confusion today, in spite of the best efforts to unite people through technology and build a new tower to the heavens, we are closer than I can recall to being torn apart by our differences. And I was alive in the 60s. Look, I was on once, I, as much as you can be a hippie and live at home in high school, I was a hippie. <laughs> in, in, the, in the late 60s, early 70s, especially early 70s. I was on one side of that screaming, and then I was saved in 1972, and I understood the other side as well. I was alive at the civil rights movement. I, I remember those days. We are in deep trouble in our day. Our present day is scary. And I cannot tell you how many people who follow and watch closely 
and who are my age and older say, I've never seen a time like this. Never seen a time quite like this. God has called believers together. He's gathered believers into community, both for our comfort and protection, which is why it is vital that we follow our shepherd as he leads us in this day. There is no doubt that when we choose to believe and follow Jesus, we give up our right to live any way that we want to live, but we do not lose ourselves. Rather, we're loved and cared for, as the second point suggests. Sheep are called by individual names into the flock of Jesus, but are then called to live in community. John 10.3 says that Jesus calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. So think about it. If you belong to Jesus, he knows your name. He knows everything about you and he loves you deeply. And he loves you enough to put you into a community where you are, are a part of something bigger than yourself. If Jesus has called a, to you to follow him, he has called you to live in community. The community to which he has called you is the church, the local church, not just the universal church. It suits our American sensibilities when we see church in the New Testament. It's like, think, oh yeah, all churches, all people who believe in Jesus are part of the church. That's true. But almost every time he's talking about the church in the New Testament, he's talking to the to the local church and he's telling you the body has many parts and he's talking about that one church not just all the churches so he's called us to live in this community of the local church to be called to community is not to restrict your freedom you may feel like it but Jesus has placed you there for sustenance and protection which is the focus of the next point sheep are designed to live in community a sheep on its own is not long for this world. The analogy of shepherd and sheep is from a distance tender. Every lamb, every flock of, of sheep that you've seen uh, in pictures and, and paintings, uh, oh, they're just so cuddly and soft and white. But as you start to get closer, Especially if you get to a pen where a bunch of them are. They're dirty and they're smelly. And bad news, they're not that smart. And we're compared to sheep. A lamb that is off by itself is in grave danger and will not last long. There are far too many predators that would love nothing more to catch you in a vulnerable position, out there alone, away from the community, away from the flock. But wandering is far easier to do than it should, isn't it? I mean, we, we sing along, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Far better to be connected to community. Commitment to community isn't easy, though. Just think of all the things that will keep you from, from church on Sunday morning or from home groups. Work, sports, 
children's sports. Do you think there's any connection between Satan's desire to attack us and so many activities, church, sports activities happening on Sunday morning? Tiredness. Uh, just don't feel like going to church today. A beautiful day to go to the park or the lake. Relatives in town. List goes on and on and on. Are there legitimate reasons other than sickness to miss church? Of course there are. Of course. But there are not near as many as we want there to be in our day. Commitment to community is not easy. But what is the cost of not being committed to community? What are you teaching your children about commitment to the church? And I promise you, life for your children is going to be way different than it is for you. Isn't that legalistic? Look, I come from a legalistic church background. I do everything I can to avoid legalistic rules. When Hebrews 10.25 tells a persecuted group of believers who may die because they gather as believers. When he tells them not to forsake getting together as the community of faith and church, we're a long way from legalism when we say church is important. When we bring a casual approach to church attendance and community life, we, you know where we find ourselves? Moving away from the shepherd. In this five-week series on community, it's going to be a lot said about the importance of consistent church attendance. I don't think I would have been so strong in the past, and I say this to my shame. Again, I don't want to be legalistic. That's why maybe some of you, you know, you, you miss church for a while, and I don't follow up on you, and you may think, well, he must not care. Look, I just don't want, you know, I used to go to church, and, and I would miss because I was busy in ministry, camp ministry, and when I would come back, they would say, we missed you last week, which meant, where were you? You know? So I try to avoid that. But again, we have to understand not only our times, but what Scripture says about meeting together. Look, the reason that I, I feel so urgent about commitment to community now and it is the rumblings of rough waters ahead for the church. The elders have thought and prayed about this a good deal. And we agree with many, if not most, evangelicals in the land. Church life in America will look much different in the not-too-distant future than it has in the past. There is far too much societal opposition to our understanding of biblical views about gender and life and marriage and salvation to think that we will continue to be a voice for morality in our country. I, I recognize morality comes in, in many, not just the areas that we, we think about sometimes, not just in personal behavior, it comes in a lot of different forms. It, it's not that we will be considered irrelevant, but many voices will grow in a call for our acquiescence and un question loyalty to the new morality because we all think we're moral. Economics, moral. Everything we do in, in the political realm, this is moral, this is 
And, and, and how can you possibly deny two people who love each other the right to be married to one another, regardless of their gender? It's immoral for you to oppose that. If we say, as our church constitution does, that God's definition of marriage is between one man and one woman, we will find angry voices that seek to silence our voice in the public square. And look, here's the thing. We're distracted right now because the angry voices are over here, but they're going to get back to being over here before long. And then the church just gets lumped up. It's, it's everything wrong. And if you are a member of that church, you're in trouble. You know what's bigger trouble? The bigger trouble is to be apart from the shepherd and not be following his voice. And to move away from a biblical position on cultural issues is to move away from the shepherd and to move away from the protection that is found in the community. So, difficult times ahead? I think so. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks when we talk about the persecuted community. If it will be tough to survive in a community, think about what it would be like to survive outside the community. But look, as important as the issues of the day are, whatever side you find yourself on in whatever issue. Nothing is more important than the eternal destiny of your soul. Follow the shepherd. There's another reason, more important reason for us to live in intentional community. It's the focus of our last point. When we live in peaceful community, we testify to the world that Jesus is God and that he gave his life as a sacrifice for the flock and rose from the dead for our justification. Twice in John 10, in verses 19 to 21 and, and at the end of the chapter in verses 40 to 42, we read of the great debates about who Jesus was. He's a phony, he's a fraud, he's a liar, he's a heretic. How can the... One who opened the eyes of the blind be this. Are you crazy? And many, verse 42 forms us, believed in him. When we follow Jesus in community, we affirm what he said about himself is true, that he and the Father are one. The Trinity is three persons. Jesus was not saying Father and I are the same person. He was saying we are one in nature. We are one, one in purpose, one in nature, one in essence. Three persons, one God. That's what we affirm when we exist peacefully. When we're fussing with each other and we're accusing of each other and we're Facebooking each other and Twittering. And we're telling the world we don't know how to get along. So why should they listen to what we say is true? Look, there's power in unity. We're seeing it over and over. From both sides, we're seeing these people get up in arms. And man, a lot of <coughs> a, a focus is put on, on one issue. Our focus is the gospel. 
In community, we provide strength for one another to stand up and say to the world that Jesus is the only hope anyone has of heaven and that his death paid for our sins and his resurrection ensured God's acceptance of his sacrifice. And that's a difficult thing to say. But in community, you find strength. And when you share Jesus, some will believe. In fact, some with whom you passionately disagree right now, they will believe. It's so easy, is it not, to go from despising a cause. How disgusting some of the things that are said about other people in our day. But it's so easy to go from despising this cause to despising the people who are in the cause. And if Jesus felt the same way, none of us would be called by him. We'd never hear his voice. We pledge allegiance to Jesus. No matter what the world demands from us. And while it may cost us, we know that our Savior will never lead us astray. No doubt, as we've been looking in John chapter 10, you've thought about Psalm 23. In the past, you've probably thought of yourself in Psalm 23 only as you and Jesus, me and Jesus. Look at what he does for me. And certainly you understand that because it's written in first person. But there was, there was rarely a time when a sheep was alone with the shepherd. Usually the only time a sheep was alone with the shepherds when he was in trouble. You know, sheep are, are called to follow the shepherd in community. We all get that personal, intimate time with the Lord. But if that's all there is, um, we're missing his place for us in community. So we're going to close our, our time this morning reading <clears throat> Psalm 23. And as we read, I want you to imagine yourself in this flock of sheep, in this community that God has given you as you're rubbing elbows and shoulders with the people all around you as you see people close to you. You've got to think about Asking the Lord to just give you a deep love for those people beside you. No matter whether they have the same interests that you do or not. Just ask God to bind you together with this community. So if you would please stand. We're going to read Psalm 23. We're going to read it out loud together. This is the English Standard Version of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me 
all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we're so grateful that you called our names, Jesus. We're so grateful that in spite of our dirtiness, our smelliness, our stupidity, all of those things, Lord, that sheep can be, you called us to follow you. And in this community, Lord, we are nourished and we become who we were not apart from the shepherd's love and care. Lord, may we hear your voice stay close to you. May we radiate and reflect the love of Jesus to the world as we share life together in this place. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.